just want to remind everyone we have fellowship dinner next Sunday before our annual business meeting. <laughs> also, I want to meet with the fellows of the board right after service. And then also we're going to have a meeting Tuesday night at Terry's house. Is that right, Terry? Okay. At 6 o'clock, get ready for our annual business meeting. I also have a, a prayer request this morning. I received an email yesterday from a neighbor in a different church, but uh, there's a young man in our community, Michael Hawkinson. Some of you probably know him. I I. I may know him. I, I met uh, one of the boys, and I don't know if they have more than one boy a while back, but he's uh, fighting leukemia, 26 years old, and he's in a hospital. I'm not sure exactly which one he's in, but receiving blood transfusions quite often, and that's the way it sounds is what's keeping him alive at the moment. Uh, they're looking for a marrow transplant donor and uh, that, but... Uh, the prayer or the request was sent out that we would remember him in prayer. So I just want to do that this morning as a body of believers. And uh, this man is a young Christian man, I'm sure. I know his mom and dad and uh, wonderful people. So, Father, I just want to thank you for our ability to come to you, Lord. And I thank you that you are a compassionate God. Hallelujah. Lord, I, I know that you care for your children and that you look over us. Uh, with love that's just never-ending. Hallelujah. I just thank you for this young man's testimony and his life. Just pray, Lord, that you will work within the situation as you know the best to do. Lord, hallelujah, Lord. We, we don't see things the way you see, Lord, and our prayer is that he would be healed. And, Father, we pray that that would be your will. But, Father, we just bow to your will today, Lord, that you would do according to your will in his life and in his situation. Father, we just pray that whatever, Lord, glory would be brought to your name. We give you praise. Amen. I don't know. I'm thinking about putting one of my granddaughters on a spot here. Do you want to share what you saw the other night? So one night I was praying a, I was praying a lot and I told the Holy Spirit I wanted to see him and I saw a black bird and a white bird fighting I blank and they're gone and then I saw a dove dive right towards me I think nerves got a little bit the best of her cuz she said she wanted, she prayed that God would show her the gates of heaven And then what she described, she saw two birds, a black one and a white one, fighting, and then the white one returned. And when she shared that with me, God just quickened it on my heart because she felt like she didn't get what she asked for. And I told her that the gates of heaven are what you open to get into the presence of God. It's that which opens up to lead you into the presence of God. And I said, that's what the Holy Spirit does. 
So you got to see the gates of heaven. The Holy Spirit is our gates of heaven. I want you to think about that. We were singing this morning a number of songs about the Holy Spirit. And if you know anything about scriptures, you realize that Jesus told his disciples, you must tarry in Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high. There's a necessity for the empowering of the Holy Spirit within our lives because it is that which opens the presence of God to us. He was sent. Jesus said, I will send him unto you, and he, when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. You know, we were talking in Sunday school this morning, and I think John mentioned something about truth. We know what the truth is. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through him or by him. But I want you to just realize that Jesus put emphasis upon the Holy Spirit and your need to receive the Holy Spirit into your hearts and lives. Direct command from him to his disciples. Don't leave until you get that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was thinking this week and I was thinking about overcoming. I think all of us, if I would ask, want to be overcomers. And we probably have something in our life that we want to overcome. You know, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then there's another scripture that talks about this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. I think we realize that faith is a very important and important and necessary part of our walk with Christ. But I, I just got to thinking about another scripture, and I want you to turn with me this morning to Revelations chapter 12. And no, I'm not going to explain end times to you. I want to start with, uh, in chapter 12, in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. I want you to notice this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Gives us right there, in a sense, the formula for being overcomers. We overcome, uh, there's a loud voice in heaven speaking to John here, and he's saying, you know, this is what the enemy is doing to our brothers. He's the, the accuser. He's been cast down. But they overcame, talking to us. That's us. We are they in this scripture. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. I want you just to think about this. Really what we're seeing here is a joint effort between God and us. God has done his part. 
The blood of the lamb is effectual. It's, it's doing its job. It will do its job. It will not fail. The second part of our overcoming is our testimony. Why don't you just think about that? Your testimony. Think about a trial and testimony that is given. It's evidence that's given under oath. That's what testimony is. Our testimony is the evidence that we're giving. I want you to think about that. The evidence of our life being given. The evidence of Christ's life in us being given out. But it's the word of our testimony is what it says. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word here, forward, in the Greek is logos. And it means something said. But it can also mean the thought. It includes the thought. Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, so it's talking about our heart situation, what we're saying, what we're thinking, our testimony. Really what it's talking about is our life as a whole here. What is your life testifying to? Is your testimony giving clear evidence of whose you are in Christ? Of what you are in Christ? It takes that to overcome. It takes the blood of the lamb. Like I said, it's there. It does its job. The rest is up to you to become an overcomer. I thought this was interesting. This word in the Greek logos came from another derivative word, lego. Most of us are familiar with Legos, I think. It means to lay forth. I don't know if you've ever messed with Legos, but what you're doing is you're laying forth something and building. And that's what it's talking about here in our words. We're laying forth what our life really is. We're relating in words what we believe, who we are, and whose we are. I was thinking about the scripture when Jesus came to his disciples, you know, and he said, you know, who do men say that I am? And they told him who, you know, men were saying. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was his testimony. And that should be our testimony. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Nothing else matters but that. If you have that in your heart, that's all you need. Jesus told Peter, you know, man hasn't shown you this. God has directly given this into your heart to see that I am the Christ. So I want you to think how honored you are this morning if you have accepted Christ into your life. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Christ, you know, the Spirit of God has shown that to you. Christ, hallelujah, is the Son of the living God. So really what we're talking about here is the word of our testimony or the laying forth of what our life represents. We're giving evidence again of who we are, of what we are in Christ. 
But to overcome, we need both of these things working within our life. In Luke 6.45, it says, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, we're talking about speaking, giving a testimony. You're going to find that whatever the most in your life is what's going to be spoken about most in your life. If Christ is the center of your life, you will talk about Christ a lot. And you will talk about the righteousness of God. The transformation that has occurred within your life. It's so important that we, in a sense, keep a bridle upon what we say and what we think. I want to go to James in chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 26 here. And I'm going to go into James chapter 3 after this and read about the tongue. But I, I just want to start with this. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Going along with testimony. I think we realize that so often our actions are as loud as our words. But we're seeing here that it's saying that if a man cannot control his tongue, and really in saying that, what we're talking about is the emotions that drive the tongue. And, you know, because usually I think, if you think about your tongue being out of control, it's usually when you're angry, you know, in fear. Uh, upset, those type of things, something that really has stressed you. That's what causes our tongue to kind of become unbridled and to do things that it shouldn't do. But we see here, I think just so vividly that if we don't bridle our tongue, if we can't bridle our tongue on the things we say, our religion is vain. That means it's worthless. It's empty. It's not worth anything. So you can... See if a man's religion or what he is promoting, his testimony is true by what comes out of his mouth. What's in his heart will come out of his mouth. And if it's unbridled, it says here that his religion is vain. It doesn't mean a thing. I want to turn over to chapter 3, and I'm going to read a number of verses here. I'm going to start in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. That means you don't have to be in charge of everything. That's really what it's saying. God has gifted you and you should be operating in that gift, but you don't need to be in charge of everything in the church. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Here we're talking about bridling the tongue. And it says here that if we can learn to bridle our tongue, we can, in a sense, do anything. We can do anything, keeping our body under control. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor or the captain or the, the person in charge desires. 
Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. Don't you really pay attention here now? But the tongue can no man tame. That right there should kind of begin to make us think here a little bit and give us a clue of what's going on. God's saying, you can't do it on your own. You can't bridle your tongue on your own. You can't just because you think that you're going to, you know, stop bad words or bad thoughts from proceeding out of your mouth, do it on your own. It takes the intervention of God in our hearts and lives. It takes Him working in our lives. It takes His testimony within us to bring that testimony out. The tongue can no man tame. You know, it's just like God saying here, every creature on the earth has been tamed by man. I mean, you go to SeaWorld, you can see whales <laughs> have been tamed and trained by man. You know, it's just kind of mind-boggling to think how much man can do, but in all that he can do, he cannot tame the tongue. Why? Because the tongue comes from the heart. What comes out of the tongue comes out of the heart. And until the heart is regenerated, renewed, restored, whatever you want to call it, that old nature is in there and it comes out in our words. Hallelujah. You know, God thought so much about words that in 1 Timothy, I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. He makes mention of it in the qualifications for those that would lead the church. And just because it's mentioned as, you know, a qualification or a characteristic that should not be in a, an elder or a bishop in the church doesn't mean that it excludes the rest of the people in the church. They're part of this too. It's just that if you want to be a bishop, this must be in you. But it should be in everyone. I want to go, well, let's just start with verse 2. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, able to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness. Now, I just want to stop there. In King James, it says no striker. As I begin to look through different translations, I just want to give you some of the other uh, meanings of this word. It means not to be a bully. How do bullies bully? With words, usually, and actions. But it's through words. Uh, it means to not be, com or to not be combative. Again, words, not to be violent, words, not to be quarrelsome, words, not to be quick-tempered or hot-headed. Again, like I said before, that's usually when our words come out is when we get mad. So what God is trying to tell us, I believe, is that, you know, in our testimony, we've got to live what we're saying. And we've got to have that change within our heart so that the true testimony of Christ is coming out. Um. You know, if, if you can't control your tongue, 
Your religion's vain. That's what the word says. That's not your pastor saying that. That's the word of God. We read it this morning. You saw it. So I want to just challenge you this morning. Begin to be aware of your words. You know, words are spirits. And I think there's a script that even talks about that once, in a sense, they've left your mouth, they're out there. It's almost like they're little birds flying around, you know. And uh, know that, if, you know, if you're speaking bad against someone, they're going to hear it eventually. But I just want to, you know, encourage you this morning. Take account of your words. Make sure that your testimony is true and pure and holy and righteous. You will not be able to overcome unless you have a good testimony. You know, like I said, the blood of Christ is there. It will do its part. It, it won't fail. But it's up to each and every one of us to make sure that our testimony is true and honest and just. Um, let us just close with that. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord, that it is true and holy and righteous. Father, may your testimony be that which comes out of our heart. The testimony that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is that one that has changed our lives, has given us life, Lord, and proceeds to continue to grow us daily within his gospel and in his teaching. Lord, I just thank you for each and every one that's here this morning. I just pray, Lord, that hearts have been touched by this, Lord, that you will let us think about this, Lord, meditate upon it, Father, that we might change the way we talk to other people. Hallelujah, Lord. Your scripture says that, you know, does good water and salty water come out of the same spring? No. And it's not right for Christians to, who love God to speak bad about their neighbors. Help us, Lord, to control this tongue through your power. Lord, I believe that comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, just as we've been talking about the necessity of him within our hearts and lives. Lord, may you allow your, may we allow your spirit to do your work in our hearts. You've sent him to teach us, Lord, and to lead us into all truth. Lord, may we do that. May we allow him into our hearts and lives to lead us. And Lord, may we follow. I just praise you, Lord, for the truth and the honesty of your word and, Lord, the simplicity of it. If we will just listen, Lord, uh, you speak to us so plainly and so vividly. Hallelujah, Lord. I just praise you this morning, give you thanks. Lord, I thank you for everything that's taken place this morning. Lord, I just want to thank you for those that covered for us while we were gone and absent from this place. Lord, we just, just are so grateful, Father, that your work continues on, Lord. just shows that, Lord, uh, it's not about us. It's about all of us together. Hallelujah. I just praise you, Lord. Love you this day. Uh, just go with us now with your love and favor. May your peace rest upon us in your name. Amen. Amen. Dismissed this morning.